I'll, I'll go for two minutes myself on it. Go oh, ahead. <laughs> this episode of Infinity Sports, we've got a lineup of football, some basketball, and potentially some Eddie Murphy talk that Nick brought up. I disagreed with it, but he really wanted to talk about it, so we will. Uh, <laughs> right up after this eight-second break. What's going on, everybody? I'm Wayne G. I'm joined, as always, by uh, with Sully. What's going on? What's good, brother? And Nick P. What's going on? What's up? I'm looking at the screen because Sully said I look I look at my phone too much. <laughs> oh, okay. So now I'm laser focused on it. Laser focused today. Yeah. Nick laser Nick focused. Kellerman, aka uh, Nick Bayless, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Until we come up with a better nickname, because I don't like either one of those people. But I guess. <laughs> Listen, the more you dislike it, the more I like it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're just playing into Wayne at that point. Mm. The big news is Dak Prescott. We I thought for sure they were going to franchise him again. It was going to be a long, drawn-out thing again. And they ended up working out a deal, four years, which is what he wanted. I think last year he didn't want the fifth year, so they gave him the four, $160 million, $126 guaranteed, which is the most ever guaranteed. He's going to get $66 million in the first year. Uh, but it works out, obviously, doing AAV, about $40 million per year. And personally, I'll get your guys' opinions. Uh, I love the deal for Dallas. I don't think they had really any other options other than trading away a bunch of first-round picks, and they still have a ton of holes they have to fill. So I think just signing your guy, that makes the most sense to me. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Dak is the real winner here. Um, I don't think Dallas loses in any way, really, because, I mean, I, I think we can all agree we, we, we all like Zach or Dak and the potential he, he brings. But, I mean, I don't know. The track record of these contracts doesn't really work out for the team well. Um, Carson Wentz signed a massive deal, gone. Jared Goff, massive deal, gone. Deshaun Watson, massive deal, most likely gone. Uh, the only one it's worked on is Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, I think we can all agree that he's not the same as everybody else. Uh, he's a freak of nature and a gift from, you know, the, our Lord Jesus, the Savior, thankful. Uh, so... <laughs> So, um, and we, we should all be thankful we get to watch him. Um, but so I don't know if I love it because the 40 AAV I think is, is pretty massive. I think they would have been better at around 35. Um, I think they, last year the, the deal on the table that Dak apparently wanted was for only 35. Um, so Dak has made money in this in this time. Also, the 126 guaranteed, I know it sounds big, but uh, I, I think that allows them to cut him you know, in year two or three, because there won't be, or near three or four, because there won't be a ton of dead money, you know, if, if they need to. So I think that's why they did it that way, which I think is smart for Dallas. But again, I don't know. Anytime you're making 40 mil a year and your name isn't Patrick Mahomes, I don't really like the future of your football team. Any thoughts, Nick? He's on his phone. Nick, you I don't know if he can hear us. He's, I don't know what he's doing. But, uh, uh, sorry, I, uh, I, my, uh, my Bluetooth disconnected. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're literally like, hey. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, so my whole thing with Dak Prescott is I thought that it was like, uh, Wayne, you kind of pointed me in this direction, actually. Dak, or actually you both did. So Dak is a top 10 quarterback. I think that that's probably fair to say right now. And the going rate for a top 10 quarterback um, in the league is right around 30 million. 
Now, in my head, I'm thinking Dak's a top 10 quarterback. He's probably in that upper tier of the top 10. But then I started looking at his numbers and realizing he only had one season so far where he's thrown 30 touchdowns. I was like, mm, that's tough. I'm like, you know, for, $40 million for a guy like that is – that's a lot of money for Dallas to commit for a team that I think – correct me if I'm wrong, Sully um, – they had the 32nd ranked defense last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you commit all that money to a quarterback who's getting you maybe 30 touchdowns in a season. I just, I don't know. And in, in now, now thinking about it, like the, the greater context of Dak Prescott and the contract and the Cowboys, I don't know that it makes sense for anybody other than Dak. I don't think it makes sense for Dallas. I don't think that it makes sense for Dallas fans. They can't, they shouldn't be too thrilled about it. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, Dak Prescott, he's, he's, he's 48 and 27 or something like that as a starter. The right. Cowboys last year were four and seven without him. I mean, you're not going to go and get Andy Dalton to come back, you know, and then what do you do? If you go get somebody like Deshaun Watson, you give up four first round picks, your defense is still trash, you know, and I, I granted Deshaun Watson's better than Dak, but like, I think that Dak is in that upper echelon of the top 10. I think you 66% completion percentage for his career. He doesn't turn the ball over. You know, you mentioned he doesn't throw a lot of touchdowns, but he only averages half of interception a game. So every other game he throws uh, an interception, you know, which is kind of Aaron Rodgers-esque, Tom Brady-esque, you know, a game manager, right? Um, except he's got an electric arm and he can run and he doesn't run. He's not like a Lamar Jackson kind of carry the ball 20 times. He's more like a Patrick Mahomes. Like if you run me out of the pocket, I can get 13. Not only that, his what he showed last year, I think, is what Dallas is betting on. He In the first four games, he has more yards than anybody in the history of football. Uh, last year through his first four games and he was electric and that offense was I mean electric with CD and Amari and um, who's the third one I'm forgetting now um, no, Gallup, yeah, Michael Gallup. Gallup. Michael Gallup. I mean that team I mean they, they've got legit weapons out there and he was using every one of them um, the issue becomes you know what do you do now with this massive Zeke contract this massive um, Dak Prescott contract this massive Amari Cooper contract. Like, there's no wonder your defense is awful. You have, I, I mean, I couldn't, outside of Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, who Leighton Vander Esch is an injury case, and Jalen Smith is a middle linebacker. I mean, what do they have on defense? I, they don't have a pass rusher worth a damn. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, you know, is, is essentially by himself. So I take that back. He is, he's, he's very good. But he's by himself out there and gets essentially washed out because the, nobody has to worry about anything else on defense. They're st- they were starting Trevon Diggs last year who got torched. And, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see the long-term future when you give a player $40 million. Um, But, I, I mean, I, I bet they're Super Bowl favorites to start, you know, probably tomorrow. I bet you they open as Super Bowl favorites. No, I don't know. You take them as Super Bowl favorites over the box. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But like you know, like that that offense and the way they were performing. I I mean, I wouldn't. But I bet you they're up there, man. Oh, there's no doubt they'll be up there because the only reason that division, the only reason anybody outside that division, outside of Dallas in that division made the postseason was because Dak got hurt. Yes, that's that's the only reason. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I think McCarthy brought Green Bay to Dallas. And that's the model they're going with. They're going to try to outscore everybody, um, which is great for Dak. But as as we all can agree on, you need some semblance of a defense. Well, the offensive line got depleted as well. You remember, I think they have was it uh, uh, one guy retired early. Um, yeah, Travis you know, Frederick retired. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. 
I mean, they still have Zach, and Tyron Smith is a shell of himself, you know. But I, I mean, Zach Martin's still one of the best guards in football. Um, they still have um, Lyle Collins, right? Lyle Collins, who I think is a tremendous, tremendous player. So I, I mean, granted, it's not a strength that it was, but I, I mean, again, you've got all this cap space tied into other things. You're not going to be able to have the offensive line, you know, the same as it was. Uh, I don't know. It, it, at the very end of all, I think we can all agree Dak is the winner of this. You know, I don't think Dallas loses. I don't think like this is like a bad deal for Dallas in any way because again. Like, what else could they have done? I just don't – like, I, I'm going to have to see the numbers because, again, if they can get out of this contract after two years and it's like a $10 million cap hit or whatever his salary is going to be, I think that's I think that's good for them. But if they've got, like, a huge debt cap and, and things like that, I think they're going to run into a lot of issues. Yeah, and to your point, I didn't even consider the whole Ezekiel Elliott thing, but they got to get out of that contract. They have to get out um, of McCarthy doesn't McCarthy doesn't use a running back anyway. they got to get out of the Z contract. I mean, Green Bay. We'll talk about it here, but Green Bay didn't even franchise Aaron Jones. Like, right. like you don't, you just don't pay running backs money. You just can't. Like, like you just can't pay them money, and you can't draft them in the first round. If you do, it's just, it's just very tough to build the pieces around to have a have a successful ball club. Well, that's a great segue, actually, because I was just going to go into the guys who did get franchised and the guys who didn't get franchised. And Aaron Jones was among the ones who did not, as was Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. Uh, Kenny Galladay, uh, Bud Dupree, Chris Carson. So there's a couple running backs there, Carson and Aaron Jones. Um, not surprised with Aaron Jones because they drafted A.J. Dillon, and I thought that that was kind of the writing on the wall for Aaron Jones last season anyways. Yeah. Well, they still – reports are they still want to re-sign him, and they right. still – they still want him back in Green Bay. I just don't think they want to pay him, you know, the average salary of a top five running back and things like that. Um, you know, I, I think running back com- by committee is the way to go unless, you know, you've got a guy like McCaffrey or something or, and then run him for five years until his wheels fall off and get rid of him. Um, but I, I mean, like we've been, there was not to get too far off here, but there was a, a issue that, I mean, uh, who's in Atlanta right now? God, how can I not remember his name? Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's 26. He's 26 years old, and we're already talking about like he's a washed-up player. Like, I mean, that's just what life is as a running back. So, I mean, I think we'll see. I, Chris Carson, I don't expect to really sign anywhere for big money either, so I don't – that franchise tag isn't a shock to me. Um, I'd have kept Kenny Galladay. I'd have done everything I could to, kept Kenny, to keep Kenny Galladay if I was Detroit, but – yeah, but you got to imagine you got to imagine Kenny Galladay did, did wanted to do everything he could to oh, get, yeah, out, of to get out of Detroit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm Kenny, if I'm Kenny Galladay, I'm begging Detroit not to franchise tag me. I don't care what the money is. The, well, one of the bigger ones that I, I think is going to go uh, kind of untalked about is the no Hunter Henry franchise tag. Yeah, uh, I don't. I think. I, I mean, New England, New England. I think a lot of teams are going to jump on Hunter Henry. I know he's got an injury history and things like that, but man, when that kid's on the field, he's super talented. And a young quarterback's best friend is a tight end. So I don't know. With, with Justin Herbert leading my franchise, I don't know if I'd have gotten rid of Hunter Henry. And, and I'm saying gotten rid of. We're, we're speaking as if they don't still have a chance to sign him. They do. But most of the time when the player doesn't get franchised, he usually doesn't re-sign with that team. So. And I could see, I could see one of those tight ends, like the 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 Johnu or the Hunter Henrys of the world, going to a place like New England. Those, mm-hmm. both of those guys, seem like the type of person that Bill Belichick covets, right? 100%. Like, don't they seem like a Belichick? Guy? Both guys seem like a Belichick guy. They do, and no team in football uses their tight ends better, I think. But so, if you're a tight end, and you want to rack up the stats, go to New England because you're the focus of the offense. Or, However, 
Yeah, however, I will say this is that Bill Belichick doesn't like to pay people. So if you're Hunter Henry and you want to get paid, you're not going to New England because he's well, not Well, maybe, 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 but Bill Belichick hasn't had the cap space he has this year. When was the last time the Patriots had this kind of cap space? So we don't know. I mean, Bill Belichick doesn't notoriously pay, right, because they just kind of plug and replace people as they sort of like price themselves out of the Patriots' salary restraints. But now they have a lot of cap flexibility. I mean, you could see you could see them making significant moves. I don't, but I don't. I, don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I think they do because, like, we'll, we'll talk about it. Like, they didn't franchise Joe Tooney, um, which I think is is probably a mistake in my opinion. Um, but they did just trade for Trent Brown. Trent Brown's mm. going to come in. Uh, it's probably going to move Isaiah win to guard. It should it, most likely um, or not. Then they've got a left tackle and a right tackle. But I mean, Joe Tooney's easily, I mean, it's not even a discussion. He's a top three guard. So I, I don't know if, if I'd have let him go, but that's what they, I think they've let go of guys more than like they don't resign or sign right. new guys. Like, like, you know, so I think they've got an opportunity to re to sign new guys by letting like other guys go. Um, I think that's. I think they'd love to get because I don't think Johnny Smith's gonna get crazy no. money at all. No, no, but no. Johnny Smith in in Bill Belichick's scheme and things like that, or Josh McDaniel's scheme, more more said, is I mean that's a threat. That guy's super talented. So I mean, Johnny Johnny could be the best tight end in football in the right situation. Like truthfully, I mean, he really like that's. I don't agree with a lot of what Nick says, but like he really like Johnny Smith is an insane athlete playing tight end. Um, so I, I think he's, he's got a shot. I mean, you put him in the right offense, he could easily get a thousand yards. You know what I mean? Yeah, so easily, easily. As, as a Patriots fan, I think I've brought up the name, uh, David Njoku a million times, right? I, I'd love to see David Njoku in New England. Uh, cause we talk about freak athletes and just size and just not utilizing Cleveland where they have three other tight ends or whatever it is. Um, so I, I'd love to see him there, but I do like to your point because we were just talking about the offensive line, right? I love bringing in Trent Brown. He did really well with them. Dante Skarnacki yeah. is not here anymore. So we'll see how that plays in i do like moving isaiah wind to guard i think he was a small tackle he was a left tackle but he was like six two six three yeah, you know and so his, his arms are long though yeah. it, well and he's and he's great he blocks yeah. really well but he's also hurt a lot so yeah. it's one of those maybe putting him at guard run blocking more than you know not to worry about the outside pass rushers maybe that helps him i don't know but i like their offensive line i do like i think damien harris is gonna you know take over for uh you know sonny michelle i think he's um it's a way to use those first two picks instead of taking Lamar Jackson. You got you know Sony Michelle and Isaiah Wynn. Um, but they also have but, Marcus, they also have Marcus Cannon coming back to on that line. Yeah, Marcus Cannon's coming back on the line, and Marcus Cannon. I mean, and you talk about like Marcus Cannon's a big dude. Trent Brown's what six eight six nine, about three seventy. I mean, he. I mean, good luck if you're a pass rusher trying to get past Trent Brown. Good luck. He's nimble. Like he's yeah. not. He's not a lumbering six seven. You know. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Bud Dupree was kind of a little shocking too. Um, no Shaq Barrett, I think was shocking. I know we, we franchised Godwin, but I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm on the record saying, I think I'd rather franchise Shaq Barrett as a Bucks fan. Um, but cause I think it's going to be tough to replace his production if he goes. So, and then no Bud Dupree, I think was a little shocking in Pittsburgh too, cause uh, I know he just came off that injury, but I mean they've been dying for a pass rusher opposite of TJ Watt, and they finally had one in Bud Dupree, and they let him go, seemingly. So, yeah, and he strikes me as the type of guy too. It's, speaking of Bud Dupree, I mean I don't know what the rumors are right now are uh, around him, but 
he, he's another guy who's sort of like a potential reclamation project for a place like New England, or I could see him going to a place like the Giants. I mean, the Giants are in need of, a, of one more pass rusher on that defense, and I really like what Joe Judge is building with that defense. I'll tell you what, if we don't re-sign Shaq Barrett, I'd love to see Bud Dupree in Tampa, too. Yeah, it's a good shout, too. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I don't like the term reclamation project with Bud Dupree because he's been phenomenal, I think, the, the past couple of years. I mean, but the, the, injury, the injury is a, is, is, is a rough one. You're, yeah, you're, the injury is – Being on a pass rusher is a rough injury, man. It's like, it's like, a, it's like the same as – it's like the equivalent to, the, you know, meniscus tear on a, on a running back. Yeah. Some of the guys who were franchised, uh, Marcus May, the safety from the Jets. I think they've been talking about that for months. So that wasn't really a surprise. Oh, Justin okay. Simmons with the Denver. Um, Allen Robinson with Chicago. So that one kind of surprised me. I mean, not really because that's the only way they're going to keep him, you know, until they get a quarterback. And they can convince him, hey, we got a quarterback. Why don't you stay with us? <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's why to make it more attractive to one of those quarterbacks. I think so. Well, and I was surprised how good Allen Robinson is. Like, I liked him when he was with Jacksonville. But I think that, you know, the the past couple of years in Chicago, I think what was a stat? He's, he dropped something like three catchable passes. Oh yeah, he does four years or something. Yeah, and he also caught like a hundred and seven balls this year or some shit. Yeah, he's never played with it. He's never really played with a decent quarterback either. I mean, I love the fact that everybody's out there franchise tagging Penn State guys. Godwin, <laughs> Allen Robinson, love to see that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who else got franchised today that was big? Oh, another safety, Marcus Williams. It wasn't big, but. Uh, yeah, Marcus. Uh, Le- Leonard Williams got franchised by the Giants. By the Giants, that was yeah. He, he had to. Gettleman staked his whole reputation on him in New York. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's had the franchise twice now, hadn't he? Twice, twice. Leonard freaking Williams. This guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a he's a incredible five tech. He's a good like run stopping guy. But man, to to franchise tag a I wonder is his position designation a defensive end? Defensive line. Yeah, yeah, de- yeah. Defensive line, yeah. Okay, so, so not the tackles. And, yeah, but he I, is the captain of that defense, and and I feel like Joe Judge values that type of thing. No, I hear you. You yeah, know I what mean, I mean, especially for a younger interior guy instead of an exterior guy, you're getting a discount. So I guess I can understand it. Right. We had eleven and a half sacks. I didn't realize you know how effective he was on the defense. Well, I guess the, nobody realizes realizes anything from the Giants. The Giants. No, that is true. That is true. I, although I do say I, I love what Joe Judge is doing. They're getting Saquon back. I mean, we'll get to see Daniel Jones with another year under uh, under his belt with hopefully some pass protection. I think the Giants could be sneaky good if they get uh, help on wide receiver. Man, God, that's what they. That's what that's. I mean, but this is a draft for wide receivers, isn't it? And, so, and I mean, a free on. agency for wide. Well, that's Fuller what I mean. Tagged. Um, Kenny Galladay didn't get tagged, like we mentioned. Oh, there's a lot of receiving stuff out there. Yeah, and, and, and through the draft. They, they, they could sneakily win seven. I don't, I don't know if they do much better than that. I just don't think that's a great team. I, I, I'm probably, not a big, uh, I, I don't, don't think it's a great I, team either, to be fair. But I think eight wins is actually like pretty good for them right now. So And could win the division. Eight wins could win. Uh, the not with Dak. Not with Dak. I, don't think, I don't think it wins it with Dak. Uh, with even that, even with a 32-ranked defense, that team wins 10 <laughs> games. Just because they get to play – <laughs> like we don't know the schedule. We, we don't know the schedule. No, but they get to play at least six, six times. times. So there's yeah. probably six wins there. I don't know. Um, I mean, we'll see. We'll I see. We don't know what Philadelphia is. We don't know what Washington football team is at this point because, you know, what, what are they going to do at quarterback? But And I think Joe Judge is the best coach in that division. 
No disrespect to Ron Rivera, but I think Joe Judge is the best coach. In that yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, there's. I don't think that's a crazy hot take because I don't think that division's loaded with coaching talent. So, yeah, it is the season for mock drafts, and everybody's got their own stupidity. And we wouldn't talk about stupid people. This person always says stupid things. Maurice Jones-Drew came out with his mock draft. He dropped his mock. Today? He dropped his mock draft. I didn't see that. Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, my he, God. He, he had has, Joe Burrow going like six last year. He yeah. is the best, though. He like had pure uh, entertainment. three running backs in the first round. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I Which love one? That. Where do you have him going? So he had 18 to the Dolphins, Najee Harris. He had 23 to the Jets, Travis Etienne, which we talked about. That, that was a possibility. Yeah. And then we had 30 to the Bills, Javante Williams. And like, didn't the Bills just I take a running back in last year's draft? Yeah, I loved it. And the one before that, too. Uh, I love Javante Williams, though. Um, but, uh, man, that's wild. Charlie Casserly, too, I told you guys, had Justin Fields falling to 26. He had he had Atlanta trading out of four to seven with Carolina or to eight with Carolina and then taking Najee Harris right there. <laughs> See, I, don't, I don't like – I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to steal your thunder because I know that at some point we'll do the big board, but I don't really like Najee Harris as the – as the number one running back in this draft, per se, I no, think. I, I, I mean, to me, I think Etienne is is more. I think his skill set is better suited for the for this NFL. I, I, my first big board that I came out, I had Etienne in the top ten overall, just as a pure player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talent level, I'm, it's not where I'm ranking them. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so yeah, I'm a I'm a huge Etienne fan. Don't get me wrong; I think Najee Harris is is going to succeed in the NFL, also. But I agree. The skill set that Travis Etienne has, I think it far surpasses Najee Harris. I don't think Travis Etienne is going to carry the ball 35 times a game. No, no, no. He's no. going to touch it 25, and and 10 of those or 8 of those are going to be catches, and he's going to get 80 yards on those most of the time because right. he could, he's a miserable mismatch for a safety or a linebacker. Um, so that's where I like Travis Etienne more. So I, I agree 100%. Uh, and the, the way to tease it, though, because we're going to drop the big board Saturday – uh, you know, I know, I know I've been telling these guys we'll get it to them, but uh, we're going to drop that shit Saturday. Get ready, folks. The thing I did like about Maurice Jones-Drew, his uh, mock draft was that he had Kyle Pitts going to the Patriots at 15, and I would love that. I'm telling you, I don't think Pitts drops out of the top 10. I mean, I don't pick. know if he gets out of the top five. Honestly. I know. I mean, I, mean I, I think Pitts is like – he's one of those guys that's um, – uh, a generational talent at his position. He's like in the same breath as a Trevor Lawrence, as as a quarterback, or a Saquon Barkley as a running back. It's like Kyle Pitts is what those guys are to their positions at the tight end position. I mean, he's you can't cover him as a linebacker. I mean, it's foolish. You can't cover him with your secondary. He's a, he's an absolute mismatch because he's probably going to be faster and he's way bigger and stronger than anybody in the NFL secondary. It's just it, it, it's he's insane. I've never seen a player like Kyle Pitts at that position. I truly haven't either. It's, I mean, I was lucky enough to to scout some decent tight ends in the in the recent years. Um, uh, the kid out of Iowa, uh, T.J. Hawkinson, I thought is is truly yeah. one of the more complete tight ends we've ever seen in a long time. But it's not the same player. The the mismatch ability that Kyle Pitts represents on the outside is something that's honestly it's going to change whatever offense he goes to. It's it's. It's so insane. Uh, I truthfully, I don't know if he gets it past four. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. He may not get past because I think truthfully, I think the Jets move from two to four and then take Kyle Pitts at four. 
So Philly could take him too. Philly needs a receiver. Philly, Philly, could, oh, Philly snaps him at six if he's there. I think that's why I, th- I think his floor uh, is six. Honestly, I don't I don't see any way he gets past Philly. Um, he's it, it, when the big board comes out, he'll be my number one pass catching threat. And and you got and Wayne knows I love Jamar Chase. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I have Kyle Pitts ranked ahead of him at this point. So. The uh, other two that I noted down, he had uh, Wyatt Davis going 20 to the Bears. And I only noted that because I think I've made it clear that in this draft, I would love to see the Patriots take Wyatt Davis uh, and fill that guard spot. AKA, I'll bring it up every time, the destroyer of worlds. I want the destroyer of worlds on my offensive line. (laughs) (laughs) He's so talented. And. I mean, hey, I mean, you grew up in a house with Alvin Mack. You probably had to block him exactly. for a second of your life. Yeah, well, I'll say it every time. You could, you, you turn on this kid's tape. I, sw- I don't. I'm telling you, watch every game he plays in. He's maybe on the ground one time or two times. It's insane to watch how balanced he is and just under control. It, it's really impressive. And the other one was uh, Jeremiah Wosu Kamora. He had uh, to Cleveland at 26. And every mock draft I've seen has had him going to the Raiders. And so I don't. Mm-hmm. He's like a have, Raiders type player. Where what? did he have Parsons going? I was trying yeah, to look I, at it really. I'm quickly. not sure. I didn't, write, I didn't write the whole thing down. Uh, All right. uh, I know a lot of people have Parsons dropping in this draft. I know. I love that. I love that. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, it's so odd because now are they having this combine? I don't know. I got to look and see what this whole combine talk is because now there's invites to this combine and, and things like that. They are going to do one. So um, I, I'd love to see. Uh, what? Because I mean, if he shows up, the kid's going to test off the charts athletically. It's it's going to be insane to watch him him run and jump and things like that. Uh, and obviously, I think that'll skyrocket him on boards. But I, I got to dive deeper into his off the field stuff. Nick, you talk about it. I don't I don't know much about it, truthfully. So I'm going to have to go deeper into that and figure out like how like bad. It, I mean, if it is it cheating on a test or is it you know beating your girlfriend? You know what I mean? Like like yeah, I don't know. It's not stuff. It's it, it's not stuff like that. It's more like character and like messing messing with like the wrong crowd type sort of stuff. Um, oh, so like keeping so, keeping his so, old so friends. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, well, like keeping his old friends by his side, and they're mostly like dragging him down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I was gonna say, what did Deshaun Watson? <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, but the thing is too, like, and, and I don't I don't say this lightly because I mean I've said it before. I'm a huge Penn State football fan, and think about the linebacker factory that have, that's coming that's come out of that school recently right like the sean lee's of the world the paul paws loosening we can go all the way back to lavar errington mike parsons is, is is to me hands down it's not even close the best linebacker to come out of the pro- program out of all those guys and that pains me because i love sean lee i love paul paws loosening i i loved uh lavar errington at penn state but i mean parsons didn't play as long as those guys did but the talent is other i mean they the program's never had a linebacker like that I mean, you say like you know you can't guard Kyle Pitts with a linebacker. Mika Parsons is probably one of the few that could that could maybe put up a fight because right. you know he's six four, he's two forty, and he moves fairly well. Not fairly well. No. He moves. Isaiah Simmons. What's no, up? he could. I mean, he. Isaiah, oh, no, Isaiah Simmons. True. Yeah. Isaiah Simmons will, will. I mean, but how many people have Isaiah Simmons on their team? Nobody. <laughs> other than yeah, that's what, like like that guy doesn't grow on trees either. He's six four. He's two thirty, and he moves like he's. 61210 you know what i mean like like that's those guys don't grow on trees so i mean anytime you get a chance to get one i think you do um i think again i think miko parsons i you know you know I, Wayne, you know my love for uh 
Isaiah Simmons. I think he's the bee's knees. So I'd have him probably over Mika Parsons, but I think Mika Parsons in the exact same mold, and I think he'll probably go in the same spot, 7, 8, 9, 10, something like that. If he drops to 15, whoever takes him is getting a massive steal. Yeah, if you get Parsons out of the top 10, you you, you stole the first round. Yeah, he, yeah the MJD hasn't gone six to the Eagles. Um that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> well, the, the the one the name that I mean, because Sully and I have talked a lot about. We did a mock draft. We did a lot of like Sully's top prospects. A name that I haven't heard him say, but uh, MJD hasn't going tenth overall of the Cowboys is Javon Holland, safety from Oregon. I mean, I just he sat out, so I haven't seen the kid play. And right. Trayvon Morrig, I have seen play, and is one of the most impressive secondary players I've seen in a long time. Uh, so I, I don't. I, from a pure like athletic standpoint, Javon Holland is is a freak back there and, and is and is extremely talented. But I, I don't see any way he goes that high. And I don't see any way. I mean, I say anyway. I don't see a lot of people having him over Morig right now. Um, again, it's what have you done for me lately? We haven't seen Javon Holland play football in over a year now. So, and meanwhile, we've seen Trevor Morig break records for PFF and and pass deflections by by safety and things like that. So, I don't know. He also, Sully, just for the record, because I pulled it up while we were talking, uh, he also has Justin Fields going to the Jets at two and Zach Wilson going to Atlanta at four. Whew. Whew. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> that's a take and a half. I mean, if you don't have the Jets taking a court, not Zach Wilson, you can't have him taking Justin Fields. That's for sure. Right, right. Uh, I mean, that's – I mean, but again, it's Reese Jones-Drew. This is the same guy who had Joe Burrow going five. Um, I mean, that, yeah. and, and Justin Herbert going one. And, and I mean, granted, he doesn't look like an idiot for the Justin Herbert one thing, but no. nobody's taking Joe Burrow five. That kid was, a, I mean, as, as good as you could get from a quarterback rating standpoint. That's like passing on Trevor Lawrence at one right now. It just doesn't yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing I will say for that take is, if you going into that college football season, Justin Herbert as a number one pick, as a number one pick wasn't a far-fetched idea. No, it was over Joe No, it it wasn't at all. obviously not. It wasn't at all. Um and even after the draft, I guess you could you could have the argument that he goes too, which I mean he did, but I mean I don't think there's any way you could realistically say I have, I think Justin Herbert's more talented than Joe Burrow before the draft. I, I think that's a that's a tough one. Yeah. I don't know if you guys watched any of the NBA All Star weekend, but I am gonna say this the NBA All Star weekend sucks. God, does it work. I used to be a huge fan. Growing up, I watched NBA All-Star Weekend every weekend. I loved the dunk contest, the three-point contest. I loved the NBA All-Star game, the Rising Stars Challenge. I watched Kobe drop 31 in the Rising Stars Challenge when he was a rookie. Like, I'm watching yeah. it for years. I was watching this, and it made me want to puke. It was absolutely disgusting. It turned into the Pro Bowl. Like, there's no defense. Everybody just stands around watching people drive the lane and dunk it. Literally just watching. It get in the way. Step in the way, do something. And then the dunk contest was a, a sham. I mean, three people in it. Nobody did anything really spectacular. I don't know. I, I was really disappointed with the whole weekend. The guy who won the dunk contest w- won by attempting to kiss the rim, and he didn't even kiss the rim. He didn't even, like, <laughs> it didn't even have, like, he, like, what, what, what? That's a missed dunk, in my opinion. <laughs> like, that's a failed dunk. Like I don't, I don't know. It was a joke. The only cool thing I thought of the whole weekend was Steph Curry coming back and just crushing the three point contest. Um, you know that was that was fun to watch. I mean, just cementing himself as you know obviously the greatest three point shooter of all time and arguably the greatest shooter of all time. Um, and then you know I did 
kind of enjoy him and Dame just pulling up from half court. Um, you know, I thought that was like fun to watch, but again, I think it's, I agree. It's a joke. I mean, it's, it's, it's worse than the pro bowl, honestly, in my opinion, it's worse than the pro bowl. Cause they literally just get out the way and just let the guy drive and do whatever crazy shit he wants to do. Yeah, I that, that 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 was my take on it. The NBA All Star Game's been like this for a while, unfortunately. I want to say it's the LeBron era NBA All Star Games. Um, it, it's tough to watch. It, it really there, there's zero sense of pride. Everybody's chumming it up. There's like no competitive. There's no competitive fire. Like you could always bet on certain guys, right, Wayne? And you could speak to this because you you mentioned the whole thing of Kobe with the rising stars. But you could always bet on certain guys like. Kobe was going to be on the floor and he didn't want anybody performing better than he could. Mm-hmm. He didn't care what the setting was. So that in and of itself was going to get other guys to break the mold at the all-star game and, 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 and be less friendly because if Kobe's going to go out there and compete like that, other people will catch on. There's no one like that right now. There's, there's no other player in the league that does that. In 2002, they had to bench him for the whole fourth quarter because he was going to steal the MVP from Jordan. <laughs> Right. That's that's what I'm saying. But and Jordan was the same way. Jordan was like, even even late Jordan, like when Kobe first came onto the scene and was playing in the All-Star game against him, Jordan was like, no, I'm not letting this kid. I'm going to show this kid what, you know, what he's up against sort of thing. And there was like that, those, those like little one-off competitive situations, that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't have that anymore. You don't. It's boring to watch, truthfully. I don't like it's just, you know. Giannis I, was perfect from the field, though. I mean, how about Giannis perfect from the field? Yeah, I mean, hey. <laughs> hey, I've made 16 layups in a row before. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. It's, and I, I think you're, 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 you hit the nail on the head. Everybody's just friends now. So nobody's out there, like, and the game doesn't mean anything. So nobody's out there trying, essentially. They're like all just just hanging out and being chummy like you mentioned we need yeah we need bad blood in the nba and i don't mean that in like a negative way like guys need to hate each other and that sort of thing but it's like you know can you imagine like michael jordan going and dabbing up patrick ewing and stuff yeah. like that and like all you know what i mean like all these players or like isaiah thomas like we need rivalry when they weren't on the like, same like i mean they did it when they were on the usa dream team and shit but i mean they, they have a collective goal at that point so like i i 100 agree with your opinion during a season or during a game you're never going to see MJ walk up to, you know, Patrick Ewing and before a game and be like, yo, good luck, dog. You know what I mean? Stay healthy. Like, you know, now granted, I don't knock the players now for doing that because I think that's more the culture than, than it is the individual player. Um, But, you know, because with all these travel teams, all these guys are playing together so often and, and things like that. So, like, you're seeing these guys at camps, and you legit you become friends. Like, you know what I mean. So, so I understand it. It's not like when guys were Jordan's age, and you were in Chicago, and you didn't see anybody in California. You know what I mean? Until you right. saw them and played them, essentially. So, I, I get it. It's it's totally different. The social media age and everybody friend requests and all that dumb shit. But I, I don't know. I still I agree with you. I don't like it one bit, and I think it is softening the NBA greatly. Yeah, and I think it is – I think to your point, like it is – there's a larger cultural component at play here because, I mean, I know we all watched The Last Dance, and Wayne, you'll remember, Magic Johnson said that th- those pickup games that they had with the with the Dream Team were some of the most competitive games he played in his career. I mean, they were – those guys were going at it, almost coming to blows, not talking to each other afterwards on the team bus, stuff like that. I mean, you have scenarios where Kobe said like, 
he would literally solicit in the offseason some of the best players in the league so he could learn how they play. So in pivotal moments during the season, during the finals, I mean, he claims that's how he was able to guard Reggie Miller in the playoffs. It's because he knew everything Reggie was going to do because he he invited Reggie out that summer to train with him. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was doing. He was chumming it up with him, but at the same time, he was manipulating them. You know what I mean? So it's it's and Reggie wasn't a likable guy, right? Like yeah. Reggie didn't make friends. I mean, there's just it's not the mentality is not like that anymore. It's kind of annoying. It, it's definitely generational. And, and I, I want to go back to even when I was in high school, uh, my senior year, I made the all-star team. So we had uh, one player from each team got to be an all-star. I represented my team in the all-star game. And in the all-star game, like nobody was clowning around. Like we still wanted to win that game too. Like there wasn't, right. you know, there was no joking about it. We weren't pulling up from half court. We were trying to win. And I, I don't know when that stopped. And it was like, hey, we don't really care if we win or not. As long as I can catch it off the backboard and reverse it, that'll be cool. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand. And Wayne, yeah, you're right. talking though, but Wayne, Wayne's talking like before there was a three-point line. I know. That is- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I that's why to- I made my bread and butter. There had to be a three-point line. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's too bad. It's a shame because the All-Star game used to be something that, uh, to Wayne's point, I used to look forward to it as a kid growing up every year, it was like the biggest thing. I, you know, friends and I used to have like all-star weekend parties three, three nights a week, you know, you'd have the three point shootout, the dunk contest. Also. It was something to look forward to. And now it's just like, now they shove get, it into one day to get it over with. I know. I know. And it's like, let's let, and I'm like, let's get it over with so I can get my fantasy basketball back together. <laughs> but I, I, anyway. I don't like about the, the three point contest. Cause that's why the best part now, even the dunk contest is lame. Now three point contest oh, yeah. is why the best, the, the star of the show uh, I don't like the Mountain Dew balls, and I don't like the full rack of nothing but money balls. I just can't we just go back to the five racks, five balls each. The last one's a money ball. I mean, because now guys are scoring like you know thirty two, and before like the perfect score was thirty. And I, I don't know. I just don't like all that. Maybe I'm an old fashioned guy still, but I don't. No, I mean it's just this again. It's just this day and age and culture. More points, more this, more. It just sounds and looks and feels flashier and better. So. I mean, that's why they do it. I agree. I think it's pointless. But, I, I mean, the the whole rack of money balls I actually like um, because I think, like, if you go hot on that one rack and just come back and win, I think that's kind of cool. But it's, the, but it's the money too, Wayne. So you know that. Like the Mountain Dew yeah. balls, Mountain Dew's paying money. It's just like MLB with the home run derby, right? Like – you have like what is it like uh, Remax or whatever the real estate? Company yeah, that if you hit the, the target, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean it's it's all it's all marketing BS. Yeah. The I wrote down some of the first half stuff because obviously the All Star game typically marks the the midway point of the season. And I don't know about you guys, I was just writing down some of like my middle of the season winners. I had Joel Embiid, I think, is the mid season MVP. Um, I love seeing him healthy. I love seeing him do what we all think that he can do, which is be the best big man in the league. Um, I think LaMelo is the uh, rookie of the year. But I will say this about James Wiseman, uh, who is averaging 11.8 points, 5.9 rebounds, but he's only playing 19 minutes a game. So, like, if Wiseman is playing the 29 minutes that LaMelo is playing, he actually averages, like, 18 and 8. Um, you know, he's I don't a know. Uh, I think, I think mathematically. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You could do that, but I don't know if Wiseman is that effective if he's on the floor for that much longer. It is kind of like, right. I, I don't know. Like, I think he's he's effective and, and good at what he does because he's playing those minimal minutes against, you know, certain matchups and things like that. Meanwhile, I think Lamelo's out here just balling. I mean, I think, and I think balling. to that, yeah, to that point on the 
on the rookie halfway point, rookie of the year awards, Wayne, I would say I don't think Wiseman will finish uh, top two in the voting. I think it'll be LaMelo and it'll be Tyree. It'll be Halliburton and, and LaMelo. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I just, for me, I'm a huge Wiseman fan. I liked him going in the draft. I've watched him play a couple of games this year with Golden State. When he's on the floor, he looks really, really, really good. And maybe to Sully's point, maybe he's just not in shape to play 25, 28, 29 minutes. But he's when he kid. is playing, he looks really good when he plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he is. I mean, and there's no, no doubt in my mind he'll be he'll be a productive NBA player. I just, I mean, he, it's tough because Lamelo's just been so good. Lamelo's everything that Lonzo and uh, you know everything was uh, he was touted to be right. Like Lavar didn't lie. The, the 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 best one was this one. This one, and he's. I mean, the kid just has it all. He looks like. I mean, he looks. He's got a basketball IQ that seems incredibly special. Um, and I think that's what is truly setting him apart right now. The kid just isn't shook at all. And I, I, that's probably because he went over and played overseas against pros and men. And now he comes over here into the NBA. And I mean, he doesn't look shook at all. He looks ready to play ball. So, I mean, he looks like a six, seven Jason kid. He does. Oh, that's a great reference. Oh, well, yeah, I guess he's a Jason Kidd. Neither one was a great like, shooter, right? So. Well, I mean, Jason Kidd ended up being like a 36, 37% shooter later on in his yeah. career. And, yeah. and New Jersey Jason Kidd was a great three-point yeah, shooter. Yeah, for sure. Dallas Jason Kidd was not, but Jersey Jason right. Kidd was a great three-point shooter. And if, if Lamelo can average 36%, 37%, and play the way he does and, and be 6'7 and play defense like he does, I mean, yeah. the kid's an all-NBA player in my opinion. Yeah. I thought something that was interesting looking through the records is, you know, we talked about when the Warriors drafted James Wiseman and we thought that they're going to have Clay back, but then he got hurt again in the offseason. But we're like, man, what a, an embarrassment of riches for this Golden State team that you've got Curry, Clay's coming back, Draymond's there. Now they're going to draft number two overall. They get, you know, James Wiseman. Well, this coming draft, they have Minnesota's pick. <laughs> and Minnesota's one of the worst teams right. That's right. Yeah, you do that. it. I forgot about loaded. that. This is the draft to have Minnesota's pick. Yeah, <laughs> so loaded, too. Oh, my God. If they get a – oh, my God. A top 10 pick is huge in this draft. Yeah. A, top 10, a, a top 10 pick could could be a franchise-changing pick. If they get a t- And if they get a top five, like, holy hell. Yeah, it's crazy. It's That's crazy. Understanding is, is it, that. I guess it's top three protected this year, and then it's unprotected next year. Um, so if it's fourth, then it goes to Golden State. Mm, so they better hope they get four or five. Oh, God, yeah. getting four or five would be so insane. That would be not fair. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a you dream. Could you, could get a, you, could, you could legitimately get a green at four or five at that point. You could and get Jalen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you Jaylen, and you yeah. and you add him with an aging Clay Thompson, and that's your new two guard next to next to uh, Steph. Like, you could go out and get that kid Kaminga as well. Yeah. From from, I mean, Kaminga w- would likely be available. I think Zaire Williams could be available right there. Yeah. I mean, you, you got a lot. You got a lot. A lot. A lot of talent available at that point. Yeah. And. That's all I really have for sports, but we do have the segment that Nick was looking forward to so much. I mean, this is really his idea, everybody. This is, yeah. yeah. We are not going to get 18 minutes of this, guys. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. So my first, my first part of it, it's a two-parter here. And the, and the first one is I read an Atlanta article. There's this AtlantaBlackStar.com or something like that, which had said that uh, fans or whatever are split. Fans are split about who has the better filmography, Eddie Murphy or um, Kevin Hart. And 
I reply is like split what ninety ten? Yeah, <laughs> not even. No it should be split ninety nine one. The only movie Kevin Hart's <laughs> even good in that I enjoy is uh, like the guy movie, the 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 one with Steve Harvey, the Steve Harvey book movie. Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. The one, the, the only one I've seen him in. The, yeah, the only one I've seen him in that are like Jumanji movies, like the new ones. Oh, they were awful. Wait, um, he was into. Uh, see, I don't even know. That's the thing. It's like I'm. I'm trying to think of like the movies that the he was movie, in. The one he was just in that was super famous. They made two of them. Uh, Get hard. No, what a man wants. God, what movie is that? God, now you're pissing me off. Um, I mean, Kevin um, Hart. A, Kevin Hart is not an. I mean, he's I don't, not I, good. No, he's. A, he. I don't he's even think great, he's funny. I think he's decent. I, I do, I, all right, so he was funny when he first came out. The issue with Kevin Hart is he's the same person. Like he doesn't. He's never expanded his his repertoire. He doesn't do multiple things. He just yells essentially. And so, like, I don't find him very funny. Uh, to me, he's Dane Cook. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, uh, that's funny. I that's, that that was my take. Is he's the modern? He's the modern day equivalent to what Dane Cook was when oh, we were nice, there. perfect. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. Jesse Jesse, our our former host thinks Dane Cook's a top five comedian of all time. And, I, and I've told him, I told him, I was like, bro, that can't like, he had two good standups and then disappeared off the face of the earth and was nothing because he has no talent. He could just, he's good at, at doing one thing, which is screaming and then beyond that. I would think Jim, I, I would I would take Gaffigan over Dane Cook. I mean, like so many people. It's like I I mean that's the worst take I've ever heard in my life. Dane I, Cook I is mean, bad. Sorry, Jesse. That's the that's the worst. I thing. love you, Jesse, but Dane Cook is bad. Well, and it's funny because I've had that argument at work about the top, like the Mount Rushmore of comedians. Think like a Actually, man. What is it? Think, Think like a man. man. Uh, we did the Mount Rushmore of comedians, and Jesse actually got really angry at me um, because what I said you? the Mount Rushmore. What's that? I was going to say, had- who'd you have? So uh, he didn't like that. I had George Carlin. So I had you know Carlin, Richard Pryor. Um, I had Lenny Bruce, and then I had Dave Chappelle. And wow, Dave Chappelle made the run. Yeah, I love Dave Chappelle. Everything yeah, he does is gold. Everything I do too. I, I, I love Dave Chappelle. I mean, Good, you know, I think but- Chappelle, Louis C.K., Tom Segura. <laughs> Tom Segura, I think. And then I, I, love I, Tom I think Segura. I did. I love Tom Segura. And then I can't remember who, uh, probably Pryor or Carlin. I can't remember. I, I, I'll tell you what, though. Bill Cosby's stand up, I think, is one of the funniest stand ups. Oh, yeah. Ever. Bill Cosby's great stand up. Yeah, Bill Cosby's he, great stand up. He keeps kind of like Seinfeld where he kept it clean. He tried to keep it like, you know, but he was funny. Um, a little bit different. I mean, Seinfeld's topical or whatever. But um, Eddie Murphy's a great stand up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the cake bit that. Uh, Bill Cosby does, I think, is hilarious. I'll never forget it. What about Chris Rock stand up? I love Chris Rock. I love yeah. Chris Rock as well. I don't know if I'd have him on the Mount Rushmore, but I, I think he's fantastic. Um, it's just so hard to narrow it down to four guys because it's also so subjective on who you like. Like, you know, yeah. like I, I probably have Mitch Hedberg really, really, really high, and half the people probably don't well, even know who Mitch Hedberg is. You know what I mean? So, so to me, because he was so short lived, I love Mitch Hedberg, but I mean, he's so short lived. To me, it's like uh, you know, like Patrice O'Neill, who's like the Bo Jackson of these guys. Like, I mean, yeah. When Patrice was alive, he did those two specials. I think it was uh, Mr. P and then uh, Elephant in the Room. Maybe even two of the best stand-ups I've ever heard or watched. I mean, they're phenomenal. And he just died when he was forty, which sucks. Um, but to me, yeah, he, he's up there talent-wise. But you know, obviously, Carlin's had twenty HBO specials. Yeah, of course. You know, that's so kind that, of go with that. I love how this just turned into our favorite comedians, and we completely stopped talking about Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, 
Also, for a recommendation, I don't know if you guys have seen him, but just anybody out there, um, Nate Gatesy has oh, a. Um, Nate Gatesy is the truly is one of the best that's ever out there. His yeah. setup about the about the reptile farm is oh that my god, dude, it's absolute me. gold classic. It's the best ever. Oh. And then when he talks about his life, and she's like. And he does like things like, yeah, well, she's like, well, yeah, that's what people say. And he goes, what people? You don't know any people. Bro, yeah, I love, exactly. love Nate Fargatesy, bro. Yeah, the, the chocolate milk when he talks about yeah. the chocolate milk. Yes, tea. exactly. The chocolate milk thing. He goes, yeah. you know, I decided I was going to work out. So I had to get all the supplies, you know, because, you know, <laughs> I love the milk for working out. I mean, his whole thing. <laughs> The whole star. He has, he has like a Starbucks bit about how they yell at you for your order when you're in line, and it gives them anxiety. It's so. <laughs> he's so good. He's so he's good. good. He, he forgets it. It would be fun to do like a we, way back in the day we did the Infinity Five and think of the like your five favorite bits. I think it'd be kind of fun um, because I think of uh, Louis C.K.'s Fig Newtons. Yes, so yeah, good. So good. I like the first forty-eight. The first forty-eight. The first forty-eight with Tom Segura. Uh huh. The first oh, one uh, that I think that purple drink, the Dave Chappelle purple drink oh bit, my is God, that killed me. The Sunny that's Delight, all-time favorite bit. The, wait, the Sunny Delight commercial? Yeah, where he's like, "Ooh, oh, I want know. that purple stuff." All the kids, all the kids, all the white kids, like Sunny D, and then he moves yeah. to the side, and the white kids like, "Ooh, I want that purple." That's like my that one is. I mean, I'll like that one gets me to the core every time. And then the baby selling crack too. In the, I think that oh, one's fantastic. All gold, the mad real world. Yeah, <laughs> like so, I mean, that one would be tough, but that would be really fun, Wayne. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, Wayne. Yeah. No, anyway, not, no. getting it to the fact that coming to America is a mediocre movie. So, yeah. oh, you're gonna go on that train? So <laughs> this came up because obviously the whole Eddie Murphy thing, this is coming to America too, or coming to America, whatever they want to call it, came out. It's a big deal. Everyone's like, oh, have you seen it? And it's on Amazon Prime. I have it. I haven't watched it yet. The trailer doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I'm hoping it's just a bad trailer, but I loved Coming to America, the first movie. And when Nick said that he didn't think it was funny, that he actually thought The Departed was a funnier movie than Coming to America, I, I thought he should give his take on the, the movie Coming to America, which is an American classic, in my opinion. Well, wait, yeah, American classic, in your opinion. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not even a top five anymore. I mean, every Shrek movie that Eddie Murphy did was better than Coming to America. Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop was better than Coming to America. Like, how many Shrek movies were there? Four. Four. <laughs> they're all better. Yeah, they're all better than Coming to America. And what's the other one? He did it. Was he in Mulan or whatever? Yeah, he was that, the Dragon in Mulan. Yeah, it was better than Coming to America. It's like, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I, I think, I, I just, I, I don't see it. It's not a movie that's deserving of a of a version two, in my opinion. I mean, it got like a. Even Siskel and Ebert were split on the reviews. I, from everything I've heard, it's it's corny and not as good. Um, that's what I heard from from people who have seen the movie so far. So I don't know. Um, but what about the original? What about the original though? You're not a huge fan of it. Here's, I'm here's not, one I'm not a, I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's like a, a like this monumental kind of cultural. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's this great movie. I just don't. Um, I don't see it. So I don't know. So here's the thing. I took yes. when we were in, we were involved in this debate earlier on this morning. I was involved. I was at that time in a work conference call. Now this is <laughs> mixed age, mixed race, mixed gender, and I posed the question to everybody. I said, "Do you guys and girls 
like Coming to America. And it was almost unanimously like, oh, yeah, you know, it was a pretty good movie, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, yeah? What's your favorite line? And no one could rattle off. If you can't well, rattle I- off a- – if you can't rattle off a line from a comedy, you can't say you like the movie. That's my take. Well, I will tell you this in my experience as a movie expert. Most people <laughs> most people can't rattle off a line to any movie. You know, it's well, like it's I so can. I can I was just say, mean, name a movie, I'll rattle off a line from it. Yeah, it's yeah. so hard for people the to call it. The Depart the Departed. I can't quote anything from the Departed, but are you kidding me? Come on. No, I'm not kidding you. I can quote more of Coming to America than I can The Departed. No, that's the barbershop scenes, right? Rocky Marciano. There they go. Every time I start talking about boxing, some white guy got a Rocky Marciano gas. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's deserving of a, of a sequel. I, I, don't don't know know I disagree. There, I think, I think the sequel could come because it, it did have like kind of a cult following. Um, so, um, I get that, but I don't think like. Like if I'm naming like best Eddie Murphy movies, I don't think Coming to America is in my top three. No, but he, Eddie Murphy has a v- very good filmography. That's what top we just talked five. about. Top five. Probably not like Beverly Hills Cop. You know, I mean, is Forty Eight Hours, Trading Places, Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Cop, Cop sh- shits all over. Yeah, those, <laughs> okay. those are your top. I think Forty Eight Hours, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, every uh, Shrek movie, Mulan. I'm not kind of Shrek. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle's not better than Coming to America. I think Dr. Doolittle Doolittle may be better than Way better than Coming to America. As much as I love as much as I love Norm MacDonald, no. Um, (laughs) I do love Norm MacDonald. Um, I mean I like the distinguished gentleman, but that's not good as good as uh, Coming to America. Golden Child, I don't know if it's as good as Coming to America. Um, Dr. Life better than Coming to America. I I don't think it is. I think it's four. But Coming to America is his fourth best. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see how you can put it as fourth best when every Shrek movie was better than Coming to America. Well, one of them voiceovers uh, work, uh, and two, and two, not every Shrek movie is better. I don't know what you're talking about. You can't even tell me. You couldn't tell me the premise of all four of those movies. You're just saying it to be argumentative. I can tell you the premise of all four, and the third one is absolute junk. Shrek three is crap. Uh, as far as highest grossing films that Eddie Murphy's done, all four Shreks exceed Coming to America. So does Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, well, that's... America came out in 1988. Yeah. It was the number three grossing movie of the year. Shrek was, was the number one grossing movie of the year. Thank you, yeah. Sully. And that was more <laughs> and that was more and that was also a lot more modern. 1988 must have been a shitty year for film. What came out what else what else came out that year? Uh, well, <laughs> I will tell you. So uh, number one, number one me? number one was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, oh, which is a classic, way better. Than great. I, I like that movie. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, coming to America was number two. Number three, Morning Vietnam. Um, Should never have been better than Good Morning Vietnam. Well, it grossed more because people like comedies more than they like dramas. And Good Morning Vietnam is like a three-hour movie. A- anything Robin Williams is in is better than anything anymore. I love Good Morning Vietnam. I'm just telling you, you're going to try to throw grossing out there. Well, if your point is true that Shrek 3 is better than whatever, Coming to America because of the gross, then guess what? Coming to America was better than Good Morning Vietnam because it came out the same year and it did better in the box office. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is all Shrek movies were better than Coming to America. So was Dr. Doolittle. I just want you to admit that you're wrong about the box office determining what's a better movie. That's all I want. Just say, I'm wrong, Wayne. You're right on this one. And, and we're good. 
And, and we're good. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm saying, like, Shrek demanded a sequel, a prequel, and a what do you call four? There was no prequel to Shrek. So you didn't even watch him. Stop talking about Shrek. <laughs> you didn't watch him. You don't know the plot. But I would. But I would. You had Coming to America on, like, if you had Coming to America on TV and I could choose from any of the Shrek movies and I could only watch either Coming to America or any Shrek movie, I would watch any Shrek movie over You're Coming making to- a mistake then because Shrek 3 is absolutely awful. Shrek well, 4 is good. Shrek Rabber After, Rumpelstiltskin is probably my favorite character of the whole series. But – no, Shrek Three was absolute trash. I would not take. I would not watch that over Coming to America or many of his movies. I would listen to I Spy. I would watch I Spy over. I watch you know Shrek Three. I'd watch Doctor Doolittle over it too. Well, yeah, but you probably haven't even seen that either. How many of movies that you say you would watch over it? Have you actually seen? Yeah, I've seen Beverly Hills Cop, Doctor. I haven't seen all the Shreks. I mean, I don't have that kind of time. Maybe I'll maybe I'll make that an agenda, and then I'll and then I'll watch Coming to America again. I will bore myself to death, and then I'll go watch Shrek to decompress. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I mean, look, like everybody knows Eddie Murphy as the donkey in Shrek. Fair to say, that's his thing. Well, everybody knows the donkey is him, but not everyone knows him as the donkey. Okay. I would say Axel Foley's the biggest. He's Axel Foley to me, yeah. He's Axel Foley to me. But again, it, it's all about your age, I think, and in, in who you know a guy or how you know. Well, certain guys, because um, like you know, for for a lot of people, you know, George Clooney's Batman when he's you know a lot of people. You know, I don't think it, I don't think anybody. I mean, I always make that take as a joke that George. Clooney's I, Batman. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody actually believes that George Clooney's. But I mean, honestly, to me, well, James Bond man is, I guess, a better better represent. Like you know, for every for your age group, it's always a, yeah, yeah, who's yeah. your James Bond. Like Pierce Brosnan was my James Bond. That's just who I grew up with is my James Bond. You know, and then you know now the newest one. What's his name? Daniel Craig, I love Daniel. Craig. Daniel Craig is fantastic, you know. But but for me, the nostalgia of James Bond is Pierce Brosnan, you know. When others, obviously, is Sean Connery or, or somebody else. So, yeah, yeah, that's pro- that that's that that's probably fair. I would say, but I mean, oh, underrated. We haven't talked Sean Connery. God, he's fantastic. You can call him underrated. I mean, he's one of the biggest actors of all time. He's knighted for his acting. <laughs> I mean, he's fantastic. We don't ever talk about him though. Why don't we talk about him? He should have been Batman. Can you do a Sean Connery impression? Let's hear it. Uh, no. Come on. Okay. Sorry, you, Mark. You just, well, I just talked over you. Go ahead. The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can do – oh, wait. I, I can do a Sean Connery uh, impression, I think. Um, yeah, go for it. I only have my shelf to blame. No, nice. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I guess as long as you just use the, the list, but you're good, right? <laughs> but listen, here, here, here's another take. Since we're talking about James Bond, you know who at one point was the highest odds to replace Daniel Craig as James Bond? I don't know if he still uh, is. But I know. Andrew Zelda, right? Yeah. No. No. Cillian Murphy, Peaky Blinders, baby. Yeah, yeah. That would transform. I'd rather have Andrew Zelda. I do think Iris Elba is insanely, insanely, I mean, insanely I, talented. Now, I, I love this is a tough spot because I do love Killian Murphy, not to the extent that you do. You would blow him at this point, but <laughs> I, I, I also, truthfully, like this is one of the one of the very rare instances where I would love to see James Bond as a as a African American character. I think I think that would just be a a good little kind of. I think his character lends like the swag he has. I think it just fits kind of perfect. Beast of Idris Elba was fantastic at Beast of No Nation. 
Iris Elba is fantastic in anything he touches. Even the office, he was pretty good at. It, Charles uh, Minor. Uh, oh, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I'm aware of the effect I have on women. Yeah. I was actually thinking yep. today about the scene where, um, you know, the, the president there calls him in the office. He's like, all right, he goes, uh, Jim, you want to come in the office? And I just was like, I've been using Dwight as my main guy. Dwight's my guy. <laughs> actually, yeah, Dwight's <laughs> my guy. Yeah, I know. He goes, I find that extremely bizarre. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch The Office, but it's not on an, anything anymore. But, man, I – hey, all right, Nick, here's a – what's uh, what's Michael Scott's middle name? Gary. All right. What's Dwight's middle hug. name? Kurt. All right. Come on. Kurt. Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I just, just want to make sure. Yeah, listen, listen. Yeah, so I, I'll never – yeah. Remember when? Remember when Jim makes his name tag and yeah, it's course. super huge. The laminate's mm-hmm. super huge, and the name tag itself is really small in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he says his middle name is Fart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a there's a lot of I love that fucking well, show. That that very first uh, time that uh, Jim meets Idris Elba, right? They get off on the road because we're in the tuxedo at work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight sent the memo about the dress code. Yeah, <laughs> like, is, is it classy that? enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day, Day class. class A. Yes. Michael, you didn't he was coming. You look great. You're fine. Yeah, you look great. What are you talking I got a buddy of mine who a huge Office fan as well, and he'll send me, like, deep cuts to see if I can, like, play along with Like, the other day he sent me, like, one, two, three, four, Splendors in your car. Every once in a while he'll throw a deep cut at me, and I'll have to, I'll just, like, go along with it, and then we'll be like, yeah, only real ones, no. Exactly. <laughs> only the real, only the realist. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, Wayne. So we, we talked way too much about coming to America, even though it mostly wasn't about. It wasn't really talk. It was just entertainment talk at this point, which I'm always good with. Um, yeah. Yeah. We need to. We'll try to work in an Infinity Five or maybe a, another game next week or next episode because those oh, are. Awesome. We got the big board, right? Yeah, I know we got the big board. I mean, do we, are we doing an hour? I'll do an hour. Don't tempt me with a good time. I'll break all 25 down if you want to go there, bro. <laughs> yeah, maybe not a full hour. Yeah, we'll think of something. Uh, again, I always like the um, like the pop culture stuff. And if, if Nick has an issue with it, it's going to be uh, a lot of debates. I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> leading up to it because I love talking music and I love talking uh, movies uh, or whatever it is. It's, Definitely part of the show. So here's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you do like us talking movies and music and comedians, you know, let us know. Tell Nick that you hate him. I know you guys love doing that on YouTube um, because that's Nick, the thing. That, that's Nick, the thing. This is not a joke. I was joking that Nick wanted to talk about this. This was all my idea. Nick didn't want to do it because you couldn't tell from the sarcasm. <laughs> this is not a lie, and Sully will back me up on this. Nick wanted to talk about Oprah and the Queen. And Meghan Markle. <laughs> he did. Yeah, serious stuff. Hot topic. How do you not want to talk about it? I mean, the British monarchy is super racist. Who doesn't want to talk about that? Everyone. Let us know if you want to hear us that's talk about news. the British monarchy. When has the monarchy, British monarchy not been racist? Like, well, that's not news. Yeah, that's the thing. But, like, I think in, in today's American society, it is kind but of – it's not America. I agree, but they but some reason people care. Like my wife cared. She was like, "Why don't you guys talk about Meghan Markle and Oprah?" And I'm like, "I don't, you know, I don't know." Um, everybody, yeah, I, don't know. I know why. Yeah. Men. I know, <laughs> no, because <laughs> I care any less than Meghan and Markle. If you Meghan guys, and, um, forty year old virgin. Speaking of film, was she really? Guys, yeah, she uh, delivers the package. 
<laughs> Sorry, Wayne. <laughs> if you guys are uh, if you guys are worried, don't worry. Uh, Nick's wife will not be doing our programming. She will so <laughs> definitely well, visit us on Facebook at Infinity Sports Podcast, on Instagram at Infinity Sports Podcast, and on Twitter at Sports Infinity Five. Check us out on uh, YouTube, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music. You can find us pretty much anywhere that there's podcasts. You can find us. So download and listen to it. Watch the episode. Watch the clips. And let us know what you think. Everyone loves bashing Nick. I think they're going to bash him for his takes here. And uh, feel free to bash us if you want. But I know it's kind of fun to, to not be the hated guy anymore. So. <laughs> Bring all, okay. Bring all the smoke. Bring all the smoke. Kenny, uh, what would you say is my reign as the most hated host so far? It's the 